Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep it real. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. And we're back. HBI podcast, health business, and in between. And today, we're talking all things... What are we talking all things? All things students, I guess. Not all things, actually. We're talking very specific things today about being a student. And mm-hmm. Ben was just telling me, uh, what's that, off camera or before we started, about having a chat with a couple of other local Cairo students. They're in their uh, fourth year. So for those who are not aware, Cairo is a five-year degree. That's right. We don't just get it out of a cereal packet. Um, and they're talking about, you know, the way that the structure of the university system is going uh, and different, you know, I guess maybe concerns or non-concerns. I don't know exactly, that Ben, I'll let you elaborate. But it's a really interesting topic and one that probably comes up time and time again about the idea of, you know, for our student listeners, and we, we know there's a number of you there in all the different professions, that are coming towards the end of their course, where should you be probably spending your valuable resources, you know, your time, time, energy and money in terms of continuing your development that you may not necessarily be getting from the uni? And before we begin, I just want to say, you know, as someone who's working in the university system now, this isn't going to be a university of shit kind of thing. This is a, there's a nature of the beast where the university system is designed to do certain things and the nature of what private practice or practice looks like requires certain other things, and therefore you need to know what you're getting into. So, Ben, do you want to elaborate a little bit, bit more about some of the things, obviously, the, the, the uh, I don't know if it was guys or girls, so the team were chatting to you about, and then we can go from there. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I think that, obviously, you can provide some insight now as, as a, um academic at, at the uni, so you can provide both student and sort of almost teacher perspective. I should, uh, should quote before thing. I, uh, I work for the, the clinic at the system, not necessarily the university itself. So I'm a supervisor, mm-hmm. but not strictly speaking in an academic. I just want to, before I get myself in trouble, make that a little okay. caveat clear. You're an academic though. Come on. <laughs> big brain. Just big head, mate. I don't know about brain. <laughs> yeah, big beard. Uh, but yeah, I was speaking to some students last week. They came through and saw Rulan and they were just talking more from like uh, structurally, I guess, their curriculum and then sort of the difference they're finding between maybe what they're studying and then uh, what is reality. Obviously, that is so variable on the uni. The curriculum, obviously, it depends on probably the personal effort you put in, what you get out of your course. And then um, it depends what setting you want to work in, depends what type of practitioner you are and then obviously the field and scope that you want to work in and business to business in the private industry is different again based on the, the clientele so there's a lot of lot of variables at play and we're not here to shit on the uni because as Nath mentioned before the university actually creates um has a lot of benefits in terms of, of learning how to critically think how to appraise information um a lot of reflection and whatnot and a lot of sort of uh honing in on you as a person the way you think the way you learn the way you practice a lot of that framework is actually created within the university and it's not designed exactly like an apprenticeship where you're literally hands on the tools from day one obviously you finish your degree you do your placements and then you start work so you kind of depending on the person the experience is very different i didn't really do much until i finished uni within the physiotherapy industry whereas i had people i was with who were sports trainers from the 
the get-go at year one. Anyway, so that's not what we're here to do. Um, basically, what, what they were saying is that their course, and Nate, you'd probably be able to elaborate on this. I, I'm not a chiro. I, I didn't go to uni to be a chiropractor, so I can't really personally comment. But they were talking about there's a bit of, bit of a um, – bit of a, a differentiation and a discrepancy between what they're learning and it seems like they're very sort of on the literature side of things versus what sort of is uh, in reality and they're talking about you know some quantitative versus qualitative data and that and as we know our jobs are heavily like qualitative in nature and not and it can be quite hard to be quantified so these guys were talking to me like oh we you know, we see what you you and Rulan do on Instagram. We love what you do. We love that you're a bit of a hybrid practitioner. You are big friends of chiropractors and you do refer a lot out to chiropractors and they want to know why, why do you guys do that? And they wanted some insight on sort of their development and what they should be doing. And I just said to them, and they came to me and they said, look, we've got a, our dry needling and cupping course coming up like next week or in the next month or something like that. And not at the time, I didn't sort of shoot them down and say, well, you know, again, there's another aspect to consider is like, well, time, quantity and volume of appointments, how much money do you make? Like what kind of employer are you going to work for? Are you going to be the only chiropractor there who might be a bit of a hybrid or you're in a high volume chiropractic clinic where you're only going to be doing adjustments? Anyway, it's really good that they're getting experience across the board and, and all modalities because it's always good to have the tool. You don't have to use it, but the option is there if you needed it. So I think that in terms of we've spoke about it before and, and I know you want to jump in here. I keep sort of continuing when they're like, uh, 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 being very mindful not to speak over me. But I think a good place to start is like, what kind of practitioner do you want to be? And if you're not sure what type of practitioner you want to be, go work in several settings and sort of find out what you like the best and what you're interested in and go hang out with some chiropractors or physios or whatever it may be or hang out with everyone like we have said before. Find out, you know, what type of scope and industry you want to work in, what kind of practitioner you want to be and therefore um, by experimenting with many different scopes of practice and practitioners, you'll understand what you're personally interested in and then hopefully you can make that a viable sort of profession and and career out of that um scope that you are interested in so that's my first sort of point you jump in nice yeah listen there's a lot there's a lot that we went through there but i'm gonna hit a couple of major points so just on that last point if you're a student you don't know what proper practitioner you want to be and if you think you do you're in you're in for a real shock right like I've had like second years come and tell me how they're going to practice. And I'm like, my God, you might as well just get out of the profession now. Because like, there's no, with that level of closed mindset, there's no way that you're going to succeed at this, right? Like I started off in pediatrics as my predominant focus and have come full circle around to more like sports-based through there. It's, you know, you don't know to your go. And the more open you can be, the more options you're going to have long-term, the more you're going to enjoy and create longevity in your career. Like you said, going and spending time in different clinics and different settings is going to be a really, really important thing. The truth is that until you give it a go and start doing it for yourself for a while, it's going to be very hard to truly know. And I can't tell you how many practitioners I know over the year that like almost every two years, they completely reinvent themselves and do something else. So listen, 
if you think you've got it figured out now, you are you're in for a rude shock, right? You think you do, but you don't. No. We all, we all might, thought we did. We thought we did. Experience you is might great enjoy thing, it right? now, right? So, so I've been a lot of people that started sports-based and they had their own kids and they fell in love with pediatric work, right? I've seen it the other way. I've seen people who have gone from like more manual work to lower force work. Like Again, it's all varied. and There's no judgment on any of it because you have to enjoy practice. If you're going to spend another 20, 30, 40 years in practice, you've got to enjoy it. And if you're just doing the same thing and you're not enjoying it, well, patients are going to know that. And so there's no point in just trying to do that thing. Now, coming back to the university systems, I think that's where we really want to focus in. So, yeah, I can only speak on, you know, Cairo School when I went through and it's been almost a decade since I left. Uh, and, you know, my experience with working with a lot of the students and even now just working in, in the clinic, that there is definitely... You know, the unis have become, you know, if we go back to the classic triad of evidence in terms of patient, you know, patient preference, practitioner experience and uh, literature, that one leg, that literature is definitely the high focus. Now, it's a university system. So, of course, it is because most people in it, as in the students, don't have any experience. They're not seeing any patients at that stage. The other thing left is literature. Now, as we're well aware, and this is not to create any excuses, literature in all of the health professions, but particularly around manual therapy as a as a intervention, is limited. And my belief, in a large way, is that a lot of that is to do with a the randomised controlled trial being a very poor study designed to actually truly test manual therapy, because you're taking out the practitioner relationship, you're taking out the humanity of an individual and trying to make everyone, you know, uh, what's the classic? The round peg into the square hole, right? So or vice versa. So, again, that doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean we shouldn't learn for it. I also have concerns about you're going to deal with a lot of bias from different individuals about what they consider lecture, like appropriate literature and what they don't. But it is the nature of the beast, right? Like you are going through a tertiary education system. It's going to be foundationally on literature. The irony being, of course, we know that most literature takes sometimes a decade or more to filter its way into literature. And that idea is within the literature. Man, I don't know how many more times I can say literature. (laughs) Yeah. But it is an important reference to understand that you are, of course, going to get a very, I mean, guess, narrow understanding of a lot of different things. And so as students, you can feel like all the time, like, oh, so basically nothing works and our job is to basically be like a glorified, like personal trainer life coach at times, which again, if that's where you want to go, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You can do I have that. No problem, right? Like people can definitely do that and have great results with people. Um, sweet, no worries. But in terms of time, energy, money, and I'll let Ben back in shortly, mm-hmm. you know, like time... You think your time's limited, but it's not. But your energy is probably the energy and money are probably the two biggest things as a student, right? Because you're tired all the time. Money. And you have <laughs> low cash. So again, getting in, hanging out, and observing is going to be one of your biggest things. But I think this is an important step. So you're talking about the students saying they're going to go do their needling and cupping, right? Mm. In fourth year, and I listen, I definitely do a heap of extra. In my opinion, that's a waste of resources. Now, it's never a bad thing to be learning, but I'm unless the student clinic over there is different to here, and I can't imagine it is, you won't be able to use either of those. So you're not going to be able to 
continue to use that or use that on patients until you graduate, which is still pushing two years away. So there's a so there's a skill that's going to diminish over that time, and you're spending energy and money on it, right? The okay. skills that students need okay. to work on and spend time on is communication. Communication is the key to long-term success in life, let alone in this industry mm-hmm. or that, like any of the healthcare industries. Mm-hmm. But it's also the one that's like most easily like underdone by students because you think you just need more interventions and what you need to be able to do is better explain to a patient why an intervention works and how it might help them to get them on board. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, winding it back a little bit on the, the uh, literature and the um, studies and, and whatnot. Uh, like you said, like quantifying it and setting up a study that has the right parameters and like, you know, population groups and does it translate well into reality? Like uh, practitioner competence is a huge one. Like, and are these, you know, people who are more academic based who are, these trials have been run by studies on the interventions from these professionals. Um, there are so many variables at play and that's why it's really, really hard to quantify things. And that's why a lot of the, literature doesn't transition very well from what we do because it's a largely qualitative base into a, a quantitative controlled environment. Whereas strength and conditioning and, and like metrics around performance are pretty black and white. Like, can you lift that? Can you not? Can you jump that high? Can't you jump that high? So um, sort of cause and effect is really easy to quantify. Whereas with us, in, in the line of work that we do because it's we look and we also touch base on the emotional and psychological side of things and everyone's different we're all anatomically built similarly but in the mind it's very different so anyway uh i think you're right i would be agree with um spending your resources very carefully and i think that a communication course for example whether it be formally or informally or just being a fly on the wall and observing a, another professional talking to a client is, is huge because whether it be a whether you pay that person to be with them or whether you just make friends with them and say, hey, I'm here on an informal placement and we'll love just to watch what you do, fly on the wall, I won't interrupt. And we as business owners and practitioners understand that there is a dynamic that does change when there is someone else in the room with you. So I think that it's important to note that, um, but obviously that's between you and the person you're observing with. But yeah, like if I was to recommend anything, I would, um, especially maybe like something that you're not going to use for two years. So that so the chances of you developing those skills to a good standard are pretty low. So and you will forget obviously between um, the course and practice. And to be honest, dry needling you need a qualification for, but cupping you don't. So to pay someone to teach you how to cupping even though we'll be running some courses and teaching people how to do that, but to do a course solely based on cupping, you know, in my opinion, might not be the best use of our resources. And obviously transition from course to practice if there's a decent gap. And, you know, as, as we spoke about as a chiropractor, you don't see a chiropractor for cupping. You don't even see a chiropractor for dry needling. Often you won't even see a chiropractor for strength and conditioning and rehab. Now, if a chiropractor can do all of them, which Nath is a really sort of hybrid practitioner but his main meal is the the adjustments right 
that's what people come to you for. And then the rest is yeah. just an, like dessert and, and entrees. They're yeah. all around the main meal, which is the chiropractor. And that's what the public perceives you to do. And that's what the people will buy from you. Yeah. That's what people want, right? Like I, had a, want. I think I quoted this the other week. Like I had a new grad that I caught up with recently who made this huge focus about, um, you know, strength and conditioning, about training, about all these things, which was fantastic. And then they, I was like, so how's practice being? He's like, people just want to get adjusted. I was like, yeah, welcome, welcome. Right? <laughs> no shit. People just, they know the value, right? The, uh, the marketplace talks and people want to get it adjusted because they know the value, right? Like, so again, if we come back to this idea of time, energy, money, perfect the main skill and then drop in the others as needed. Like I dropped in dry needling at the start of this year. It's the start of my ninth year in practice, mm. I think it is. Okay, so like, I had a cupping the year before and even that was as a per trial basis. Like, for the majority of my career, I used just manual soft tissue work, a little bit of instrument-assisted work, if I like, because my hands were a bit sore, and like manual adjustments. But, and I didn't need to add any of these other things. I did them more because I was interested and I thought it'd be fun. But especially as a new Personal grad. interest. Yeah. And Knowing like, I wanted to learn it for myself. Yeah, it and wouldn't yield you go, a professional benefit. Yeah. yeah. Not much. Like, it, it has some benefit, yeah. but it's not a major deal, right? But if we then hang around that idea, like when you go out, most people are going to go work for someone. In fact, especially as a chiropractor, if you try and open your own business straight away, I reckon less than 1% of people should do that. I, I have known in my 10 years, and again, I'm not 100% aware of everybody, but one person who's done it well, in my opinion. There's a few that will wait to see. Fair play to them. But at the moment, there's one I know who's done it well. Um, because of but, competency. Yeah, and then like this person was incredibly well mentored yeah. and a lot of support, and even then, right? So going out and practice like is almost like your internship when you're an associate because you're learning from there. Which is why, again, the number one thing people should be looking for is a good relationship and a good associateship. And having communication skills allows you to develop that and get that benefit, right? So again, I know I'm just harping on that, but communication and a little bit of understanding of business, right? Like you don't need to do an MBA. Sales. You know that, but yeah, but have a little bit, not even just sales, like just have an understanding of the workings of a business, right? Like, so I always talk about, you know, profit first as a business setup thing. Even if you're not running a business, the profit first method is a really nice way to understand the thing, like the moving parts of a business. Now, as an associate, you're blind to a lot of where things go. But if you can develop yourself to be such an asset due to communication and business, which are the two things that are largely not well-trained at the uni and it's not their job to train, then you're going to go a long way. If you just become one of these robots that thinks that everything's about how many interventions you do or how little you can intervene, then you're probably missing the bigger picture. And what I tend to find is these are people get in the industry temporarily and then decided too early that how they were going to do things, aren't willing to admit that they have not developed the skills and everyone else decided everyone else is the problem, mm. are then not willing to spend the time to develop the skills, end up bailing out, shitting on the profession, and then going to something, and I'm going to, like, I'm thinking of a specific quote, but they go to something like medicine because they don't want the inconsistencies. And I don't know if you saw one of the recent like studies that came out, but I think it was one in 20 medical interventions has research on it. So if you don't want any consistency, bro, you're going the wrong way. What you're truly saying most likely is that you want a job 
where you just have to turn up and go home. And that's nothing against medicine. Like mm. I've got a bunch of medical doctor friends. Medicine is amazing. You have to be intelligent. You have to be all these things. At the end of the day, you work for a entity. You turn up. You do your time. You go. It's a job. Um, and so you don't have to develop some, a lot of those other skills. But everyone talks about Dr. Manor. Everyone talks about the giant waiting times in doctor's clinics, right? They don't have to develop these things because it's a job, it's a necessity, and it gets to move through. So if you are moving to that, it's more that you're just not suitable or you don't want to develop the skills than it is that the profession is the problem. Mm. I think we, we steered there, but... You're right. <laughs> yeah. like we, we do. We do. Know. It comes down to the human, actually. Like, are you interested? Are you passionate? Is it something that fulfills you, for example? So I think that what we mentioned early on, if if you can get around the profession early in your early days of study, you will soon work out, is this for me or is it not for me? And rather than yeah. throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, all right, well, I didn't like that business. So maybe I'll go and hang out in another business just to see if that was just a one-off anomaly or it's actually if it's like that across the board and then that helps the attrition rate it saves you your most valuable resource which is time obviously yeah. you're accumulating debt at the same time so i think there's a lot a lot in that and you're there's, right but some people there's do two things i really want to sort of finish with for me and it's one like when i speak about cairo when i first came into cairo pretty much everyone came to cairo because they'd had a great experience with a chiropractor mm. and they then for went and do it. Whereas now it's become more of like a, oh, I can get into that. Sounds like a thing. Sounds kind of like physio, right? And then people get into it and realize it's not like they're coming out and they're like, fuck, that was not what I thought it was, right? <laughs> so you're not, you yes. got to go in for the right intention, right? You don't just go enjoy things for the fun of it. I yeah. think that's a really big part of it. Number two, and I'm oh, going to yeah. spread this across from Cairo, physiosteo, everything, right? When I see us, as in any of these industries cop a bunch of shit for different things, whether it's, you know, like using a weird intervention in a weird time or, you know, people disagreeing with how to intervene, it always seems to happen after a positive. And what I mean by that is like something will happen. Like someone will be like, I fucking hate these high volume chiropractors. They're just a money-making trap. You go in there and it's just like hundreds, if not thousands of people getting great results and hanging around and getting great results. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so what That's is why it's high volume issue? in the first place. Is it? Yeah. Like, I was like, so what's the, I was like, oh, you see someone put a post on like, Look at this fucking quack doing this. I was like, yeah, but they got the result, didn't they? So why is it weird if the result happened? Like, wouldn't you want to know why the result happened? Like, mm-hmm. it's such a weird time that most of the negative is because of a positive result rather than like, hey, look, if, if it was something like, hey, this practitioner is seeing hundreds of people a week and they're all getting famed. Yeah, that's a problem, right? Like Dr. Death, right? Like, oh, I see this guy has maimed a bunch of people. And and we all know in that case, they were like, but I don't want us to look bad, so we'll just keep sliding him across, right? Like, if if harm was happening, yeah, we should call it out. If if the issue is that people are getting results that other people can't get, why are they the quack? Like, why is the other person who's getting the result the quack? No, there's, there's, that's a whole topic in itself. Is that yeah? Don't a lot get me of people that play that, but um, yeah, you don't get busy for being shit. You don't get a yeah. busy cafe for producing a shit food or coffee or service. Like they're, they're busy for a reason. It's like oh, it's only business and marketing. I'm like, no, it ain't, mate. Like retention is based yeah. on the quality. Like yeah. you can generate a lead, no problem. But can you retain a lead? 
And you can only yeah. retain if you're a high volume clinic and you're booked out every week, the outcome, the result that's you're delivering on the expectations of the people, yeah. if not more. Anyway, I know. Yeah. Anyway, listen, I think we'll, we'll, wind, we'll wind that one down there. But listen, the students, again, do you, as I say to like one of my students, they're like, I want to do this. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to give you what I think you should do. But you're the doctor. Start thinking like the doctor and do you. But think about your resources. Are you putting your resources in the best place? Is playing footy on the weekend instead of going and learning and interacting with practitioners your best view? Is going and getting on the cans on Friday night instead of thinking, like, where are you putting your time, energy, and money? And there's no judgment, but make sure before you decide that you haven't gotten something or you're going to go invest in the thing, it's actually putting you in the right direction. Because if you do that, life's going to be a lot more fun. And you'll still go through, and I will admittedly tell you that I was on the phone to a good friend and at least five, six times in my professional career, I've been like, I'm fucking done with this. I'm out. Because you have to go through it. Especially as a business owner, bro. I'm out. (laughs) And then you get off your pity party 24 hours later and get back to work. But think about where you're putting your time, energy, money. Think about where you want to move forward, but go in with things with open arms and open mind. And life's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah. Fantastic, bro. Good way to wrap it up. I think if you guys enjoyed it, give us a share. If you, you got any questions, I think reaching out to someone who's been there, yeah. done that, or someone who is a, in the ideal position you think you want to be in, you got to ask the question to them. All right. What, what would my next move, what should my next move be? So I think that we covered some good stuff. There's, there's obviously more in that. But yeah, if you share it around, we'd love it. Uh, we do appreciate you guys for listening in. We know we just fucking have a conversation with each other and people listen in. So we're, we're privileged to even be in that position. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. And as always, leave us a five-star review because it really does help other people learn as well. All right, legends. Thank see you. See you next week.